Welcome to the Wheelhouse Podcast, where we talk about what's in my wheelhouse and maybe what's in yours too. This week, I have two new people on the pod I've wanted to have on for, boy, since I started it, <laughs> for the most part, actually. Uh, some of them don't even know that I've wanted to have them on. Uh, so first, we have Miranda, who's a good friend of mine, who I met a couple years ago, and uh, we talked about Coachella, and just <laughs> our plans were kind of derailed. Uh, Kanye had, uh, or Yee now, had uh, decided he was not going to participate in Coachella, and we had all these ideas about who might step in, and day of the recording, the weekend stepped up with Swedish House Mafia, so we went over that, and just, we did a nice little Coachella preview, and went over how Miranda likes to do her Coachella adventures. After I talked to Miranda, I brought on Braden, who is uh, someone I met more recently, but uh, someone I really respect, uh, his music opinion, and just finding new music and sharing ideas and things like this. So uh, he's a he's a really cool dude. We had a cool conversation about Meshuggah's new Immutable record. I was kind of struggling finding someone to talk about this new Meshuggah record, but uh, Braden was able to step up and we had a great conversation. So really hope everyone likes these. And uh, here is Miranda. Joining me now is my friend, uh, Happy to say you're a longtime friend at this point, actually. Uh, Miranda, what's up, dude? Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for being able to do this on such short notice. Um, so let's just actually get into it. I'm going to kind of shift gears here. I had this whole game plan about who was going to replace uh, Yi, but uh, we just found out this morning that it will be Swedish House Mafia and uh, The Weeknd. What is your initial reaction to this? I know, right? Talk about talk about last second. Um, I, you know, part of me is stoked in the sense that it they are, you know, hard hitters. So I'm glad that they were able to get someone who's going to put on a great show, and it's going to be fun to watch them, of course. But do I wish maybe it was another female artist? Do I wish maybe it was a little bit more unexpected? Sure, I'm torn though because. I'm a huge fan of The Weeknd's newest album that he just came out with, and I'm extremely excited to see him perform it, you know? But yeah. um, Swedish House Mafia times The Weeknd. It's going to be interesting. I don't know. What's your reaction? You know, I had this whole game plan ready for us about... <laughs> so, like, I had all these clever things, like... So, let's speculate about what we're going to do. Option one, move up some you know, move up some uh, artists already on the bill, which they kind of did. You know, they had Swedish House Mafia just kind of yeah. sitting there and they were able to utilize them. Um, I thought maybe they should just move up Megan Thee Stallion and Doja Cat because in my option two segment, I was going to say, well, you have this, the Grammy zone is what I'm going to call it. You had all these artists that were just at the Grammys, right? Or at the Oscars. Why not just throw one of them in there? So I thought maybe you know, try to get Tyler, the creator or Silk Sonic. I had all these ideas, but, uh, you know, it's funny in researching yesterday and Monday, I thought that the weekend was going to be impossible because he was, he's doing like, um, HBO show or some kind of, uh, some kind of streaming show, but I guess that went out the window and he took this on. Yeah. And, and to do them kind of side by side, I'm really curious how that's going to work out. I know that he did a whole, collaboration with Justelfelstein, you know, a couple of years ago. So he's not unfamiliar to that kind of collaboration, I feel like. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I, I feel like he's really 
you know, he had that Super Bowl show, so we know that he can try to to put some a bigger concept together. But um, I don't know. I I, I really it hasn't fully settled yet. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you were mentioning, I mean, I think it would have been awesome to have Silk Sonic. Are you kidding me? That would have been amazing. Um, you know, Bruno has such a a deep, deep, uh, you know well of songs to pull from that would all be amazing live and Anderson Pack is amazing of course but it feels kind of safe yeah um you know and a part of me almost feels and I that this is just speculation of course but part of me almost feels like the way it worked out like they got Swedish House Mafia kind of knowing that Kanye is very volatile because mm. they were just kind of sitting there right they weren't yeah. really like build necessary like they they were kind of ambiguous if they were going to be a headliner the way they announced it and i don't know part of me feels like maybe yeah they were just kind of like backup which sucks for them but um you know hey look what happened (laughs) now they're headliners i guess yeah i think it totally worked out and uh the one thing i kind of was thinking about and in reviewing feedback from just seeing what other people thought was that one, you know, they may already have kind of a show set up because I think a big part of this problem that E created is when you are the headliner, right? I think there's an expectation of there needs to be this really big show, right? This big mm-hmm. performance and you need to show, you know, a lot of so- showmanship or lights or whatever it might be. But you kind of already have that in place with Swedish House Mafia and all you got to do now is bring in the weekend who alone is great, but you kind of need something flashy with him and you totally. kind of already have that in place now. Uh, I kind of wish I thought of that. It's pretty clever. I think it's going to work out uh, as far as at least filling that void. But, yeah, um, I know. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe like, uh, you know, every single act has, you know, their own lights, perhaps their own crew, like their own right. mic set up. And, you know, I, I'm sure there are no strangers to changing things last second, but it just feels so wild to me that, you know, he would drop out. So last second, I assume he put money into it or I don't know, maybe he didn't, but I think he's, you know, well, he's a millionaire. So <laughs> one of the richest people on earth. So I guess he's fine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you're, you bring up a really good point. Swedish house, probably is just going to fit the weekend in pretty seamlessly. I imagine, um, you know, maybe they'll incorporate hit some of his band members or something. I don't know, but, um, right. He was just there not too long ago. Right. Didn't he perform at Coachella in, what is it? 2018. Yeah. He was there in 2018. I'm actually pulling it up right now. Uh, it looks like, Let's see. Yeah, he was the day one. Yeah. Back then. I, um, so, I mean. I know. Yeah. I think another thought I had about Swedish House is because I have a couple friends that are very, I, I don't mind EDM, you know, or house music in general, but mm-hmm. um, it's not like my go-to genre of music. I certainly appreciate it, but. Right. Um, and I, I think that you and I have talked about this in the past as well. You know, Coachella is trying to. I think stay, you know, keep those people coming back to Coachella and there hasn't really been an EDM focus because there's other festivals for that. But, um, you know, maybe this is kind of their bid at trying to make those ticket sales happen on that level. I don't know. It's a good question you raised because 
kind of a lot of the feedback I've gotten, I think your I think your point of view is a little bit different, and I appreciate it, and I I do want to get to that in a minute here, but kind of the the kind of the overriding thing I've been hearing is the headliners are are pretty unexciting this year, but I think a big yeah. part of this year is also just. I think like a lot of concerts and a lot of artists and festivals, whatever, just trying to get back in the saddle, just try to actually put it on and like get the wheels spinning again. And I feel like next year will probably be more of a return to form, but I think they're just trying to get through this year. Um, Like I think the Harry Styles, you know, selection is probably the best one of the three at the top. That one seems like everyone's satisfied with, but uh, Billie Eilish, personally to me, I would not care for that. And not because she's bad. I'm just not interested. And then this one, it's kind of a weird combination because I think The Weeknd is arguably the biggest artist, uh, pop artist right now. And then Swedish House Mafia, they actually did headline 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, and they one. just got back together. <laughs> right, right. Like, I was there. It, it was a great performance. It was fun. It was, but, you know, nothing like earth shattering or anything like that. And now you have 10 years later where you have a, I think a bunch of new generations of different concert goers and Coachella goers where they may not even care much for it or even know what it is. Yeah. I mean, if, if I just keep thinking, you know, if, if I had been presented this lineup in a vacuum, Mm -hmm. not knowing the lineup I was promised and the lineup I almost had of Frank Ocean and Travis Scott and Rage Against the Machine, you know, sure, this lineup would be okay, but it's so tough to be extremely excited about it, knowing how good the lineup was prior. Um, I agree with you, you know, like uh, Billie Eilish, I, I can't, imagine what a headlining show looks like for her i have seen videos of her performances i skipped out on her performance the coachella before in the before times right before (laughs) yeah (laughs) right before covid dashed all our dreams forever yeah but um i skipped out on that i saw it you know kind of in the distance it's just her kind of running around on stage Mm -hmm. for me that's not a super great headliner show. Is her voice amazing? Sure. Like, do I like her music? Yeah. Is it headliner worthy? I am not convinced. I am not convinced at all. Agreed. Agreed. And that's kind of the general feedback I've gotten to a good buddy of mine who I also wanted to have on today's episode, but he couldn't make it. Um, he well, because he hates me, of course. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't no, even know guys, who it is. <laughs> you guys have never met, but you guys, I think, would get along great. Actually, he's going as well. Um, but I, we look forward to his post review, and he's doing it with me for the first time on yes. the pod, so that'll be fun. But he was there in 2019, and she was like half an hour late, from what I recall. He likes to refer to her as an industry plant because most of the people in the crowd <laughs> were suits, clearly in the music industry. So. You know, I feel like even the press is really forcing this Billie Eilish thing because uh, when she played, I want to say Madison Square Garden, when she first started this tour she's on, uh, there was a lot of like really positive reviews. But like you said, I've seen clips too. Like I'm I'm not sure. And so I kind of want to move into another thing that I was going to bring up before this Yee replacement actually was called. One of my main concerns about this show actually is some of these headliners being upstaged. So like Billie Eilish or now Swedish House Mafia in the weekend. So the reason why I bring that up is 
If you'll recall, in 2006, Daft Punk had the Pyramid, and it's a pretty legendary event, right? Mm-hmm. Could, can you guess who the headliner was that they actually played over or played before? Uh, <laughs> no, tell me. Exactly. Depeche Mode, which... Oh. I, but, then, <laughs> but if you actually go to the public narrative, right, people probably think, oh, yeah, they headlined, they had that Pyramid. It was awesome. But that's kind of, I think, the risk that could happen these next couple weekends is someone could upstage these people with, you know, some kind of great performance or easily. Yeah. Easily. I mean, Megan, are you kidding me? That right. is one of my, my shows that I am dying to go see. She, every single video I've ever seen of her performing, she absolutely kills it. She has such good breath work and stuff on stage. She sounds good. Like mm-hmm. I'm so excited Doja, it's funny, is, um, you know, when originally she was slated to play and then everything got delayed and now she's a whole nother artist, a whole different artist, one could say, you know, from a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. And I remember looking up, oh, let's let's look up this Doja girl, you know what? Let me see her performances. And they were terrible. I remember looking up (laughs) some videos and thinking, maybe that's one I'll skip. Yeah. (laughs) And now... She's one of the biggest female, you know, pop uh, artists right now, female rappers. I mean, what a couple years for her. But, you know, I've seen her performance uh, videos now and I'm extremely excited to go watch her, you know. Um, So I'm way more excited to see them than I am Billie Eilish. And maybe she puts on a great show. But the reality is, I, I think they're more interesting artists right now. Right. you know, than her. And and her newest album underwhelmed me. You know, I just, I'm not super stoked and I'm bummed she's going to take up prime headlining spots on Saturday. Right. So let's dig a little deeper on this because I like where we're going. What? Is, so what are you going to do as a Coachella goer, Miranda, if Billie Eilish and Megan Thee Stallion are slated at the same time? What are you going to do? And what do you think the audience does where where do things move because they're both at the top on Saturday so I would see Megan hands down um much more interested in watching her live I think that you know I I would say most that would be tough because I think they're kind of different Mm -hmm. crowds that would go for both of those artists and I mean, I remember back when she performed in 2019, you know, the entirety of Coachella, it felt like, was running towards her stage. I was going the opposite way, and <laughs> it was like a stampede. So I, I think people are a huge fan of her. Um, I think it might even be a little bit of an unpopular opinion that, uh, you know, from the the general, like, music listener. I don't know. She's right. got a lot of young fans, and we're not really in that genre anymore, you know? True. Um, like, like my sister, for example, she's 22. She loves Billy. Um, you know, not that that's indicative of every 22 year old, but I'd say, you know, right. she probably is going to have a pretty massive crowd. Um, mm-hmm. and Megan will probably be maybe a little bit older of a crowd. I don't know. That sounds right. I mean, so if it were your sister, you think if she would put that spot, you probably would lean to go see Billie Eilish over Megan? I do think that, you know, I think she is not as big of a fan as Megan as I am. Like she likes her, but um, I just, yeah, I think, you know, 
And it kind of, that makes me think of Harry Styles because who is billed up there with him? I mean, I... I think he's safe. <laughs> well, yeah, he's safe. I'm not worried about poor Harry, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah, Lil Baby, Daniel Caesar, Phoebe Bridgers, Big Sean. Oh, Phoebe Bridgers, I'm extremely excited to see. Definitely, um, yeah. But yeah, Harry Styles is one where... I've seen live videos or videos of his live shows. They look like they're a great time. Yeah. It looks like he puts on a good show. He knows how to perform. He's been performing since he was 18, you know? Right. Um, he's, he has a, a large well of songs to pull from. Would I have picked him to be a headliner? No. You know, I'll be honest. I really like mm. him, but, but I wouldn't have. I just, again, there's so many... I kind of go to Coachella for, you know, to see the people I love and to be surprised and and fall in love with artists I didn't know about or maybe just kind of, you know, heard one or two songs. So, again, I just I think it's what you're saying. They're playing it pretty. It's just it's a dumpster fire of of a planning situation for them. And yeah, this is what we got out of it. I think it's a I think it's a difficult task. Uh, just because of COVID and you know everything else that's gone on since COVID has happened, I, I'll say this for this Coachella though: top, it's not top heavy like the original lineup was supposed to be back in 2020. Yeah, it's not top heavy, but I think I do think though, as far as top to bottom, it's actually pretty strong. Like every yeah. day you look at the middle of the day, like I would be very excited about the beginning of the day. Like even even Sunday. Maria, the scientist is super early. Oh. That's somebody you turned me on to. And, yes. and I, I've only been to Coachella once and I do want to ask you about your experience in Coachella too. But I mean, one thing I enjoyed about going was early in the day because mm-hmm. you just, you do discover things like the year I went childish Gambino, I think was the first person on Friday or Saturday on the main stage. And like, it was a pretty, it was pretty crowded, but it was not as crowded as, um, you know, you might think a headliner would be, and obviously a couple of years later, he he actually headlines a night. Um, so it, it's a good opportunity to find those those artists that later on, you know, really grow. Um, yeah, you're right because you know they really did manage to maintain a lot of or to to keep on a lot of the artists that they had originally slated, you know, for those underbilling spots. And mm-hmm. I'm really excited about that. There's, I agree with you. I think you know. W- I was going through the other day in the app and I was kind of picking out, okay, I'm going to make sure I see this person, this person. And it's, it's a good amount of artists in one day. You know, when you think about again, and this is like the only reason though, you know, obviously golden voice has its issues um, that this is just such a good deal. You know, if you really think about it, because if I'm going to see, you know, I, I'm going to see at least 15 shows in one day. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of music and a lot of artists that maybe wouldn't come to San Diego, you know, but uh, anyways, getting, getting a little off topic, but yeah, I mean, I'm looking at, let's see who else is on here. The Maria's is someone I'm going to check out because um, you had recommended them to me. I'm excited for that. Brockhampton, their last show ever. Um, Caroline Polachek, let's see, Flume. Mm-hmm. Megan the Stallion, Rena Sawayama. Um, she, I'm very excited to see her. Kim Petras, Maggie Rogers, 
Orville Peck, Run the Jewels. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So mm-hmm. just to name a few, but. Right. I, I just, they've done a very good job of maybe the top heavy is not what we're used to, but I still think you're getting one of the best deals you can get as far as going to, you know, a, a festival. Yeah. I mean, some of the prices they're charging for some of these bigger headliners just on their own at arenas, it's the same price as a ticket. So, oh my um, gosh, a Harry Styles <laughs> ticket is $250. Right. You know, forget about it. <laughs> right, right. I mean, so you're getting an incredible deal. I still think it's totally worth going. Uh, but I kind of want to, sh- I want to shift to something else real quick. So, when, when we have lineups like this, right, and, you know, beginning of day to end of day, it's really difficult. What do you, you know, what's your kind of, how do you decide as far as like when you finally get to Coachella, you get that nice little pamphlet with the set times. How how are you, how do you determine what you want to do as far as going to each set? Do you plan with a group? You plan on your own? How do you like to do that? So I like to plan on my own. Um, the, the first time I went to Coachella and the only time was 2019 um, and I tried both. I tried one day where I tried to coordinate mm-hmm. with, you know, my group cause I did go with a big group. And then the other two days I just kind of did my own thing and it's so much better to just do your own thing. Yeah. Um, and with a, maybe like one buddy, you know, if you can, that's ideal. Obviously right. you don't go to be alone, but at the same time, you know, if you're trying to meet up with people all day long, it kind of takes over your day and it's yeah. really difficult. You know, it, 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 there's no cell service and there's a lot of the time and <laughs> it's busy and you yeah. know, you're, you're hot and tired and like, you just want to be able to focus on the reason why you're there, which is to see all these shows. Mm-hmm. I think if you, if you didn't have, but so many artists that you really were dying to see, like let's say your must list was only five artists and the rest were just people you wanted to check out. Mm-hmm. That's a much easier day to plan for, right? Then you can just kind of drift mm-hmm. around and see who you want to see. But I, I'm envisioning this year it's going to be pretty... I'm going to have a pretty stringent uh, <laughs> schedule. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I got to say, this year would probably be the solo year for me because, you know, like take Sunday. You have Maria the Scientist early on, it would look like to me. Uh, there is... The Snappy Peluso I told you about, that one I mm-hmm. definitely recommend for anybody listening. There's Griselda. That's a rap group I really would recommend as well. But, you know, just starting from there, like, it would be too hard to coordinate with people, you know, unless you have a clone that wants to go see everything you want to see. Uh, you know, I, when I did it, I kind of tried to coordinate too. The first day, it didn't really work. And it ended up really just being with one person most of the time after that. Um, I feel like that's the way to go, you know, yeah. because you you get your social stuff happening in the camp during the day when you're getting ready. But um, I've been to a couple festivals recently and, you know, missed maybe an artist because I was trying to coordinate with a group and people didn't want to get there as early as I was mm-hmm. wanting to get there. So definitely this year. Um, I'm lucky my, my boyfriend's pretty go with the flow with this kind of stuff. So I'm basically envisioning, (laughs) he's like, yeah, just, I'll just go wherever you go. I'm like, perfect. (laughs) I'm just going to drag us along through, through everything. And I feel like as well, something I noticed, I don't know if you noticed this, but 
when I wasn't trying to coordinate with my group, I swear to God, I ran into them everywhere. It was like, dang, okay, so maybe we should have coordinated. But it was like, if you weren't paying attention and weren't trying to meet people, you would run into them everywhere. So I'm hoping that'll happen this year too. Yeah, my group was really, was not that big. It was, we're only four of us that year. But I mean, if you're rolling with a bigger group, I could totally see that. We would run into each other once in a while here or there. But um, yeah, if you have a big group, uh, you know, you, you probably will be fine. I was going to say too, so I went with my older, with my uncle uh, back in 2012. And he basically was just like, see ya. And he went and saw way more <laughs> stuff than, than we actually all did. So I would recommend just doing the see ya route and, you know, come along. If you come along. Yeah. No, he, he killed it. Um, he saw everything. Yeah. So I definitely yeah. would recommend that to anyone who maybe hasn't gone and is going with a group. Like if you really mm -hmm. are trying to see artists and it's not just the experience, because, you know, people go for many different reasons, the combo of the two. But if you're really trying to get your, the bang for your buck with seeing as many shows as you can, mm -hmm. get a buddy, plot out who you're going to see together and then just do that because you know, your friends will weigh you down. <laughs> right. Love them to death, but they will weigh you down. Speaking of that, so you mentioned you've gone to some other festivals recently. How, you know, how is it, how is it different and the same since, you know, you know, before the before time, let's say. Sure. How, how is it, you know, how is it the same and different? Sure. Um, well, I'm trying to think. I went to Lollapalooza um, a couple years ago that was not my favorite. Um, I think the setting of it, it was like right in the city, um, in the heart of the city in Chicago. And uh, the stage setup wasn't super great. In my opinion, the sound wasn't super great. Like it was okay. Mm -hmm. um, I saw Flume there was one of the headliners and it was fine, you know, but right. the the city skyline was kind of cool, but I don't know, sound and like logistics wise, not that great. You get bottlenecks because it was kind of a smaller setup. Yeah. Um, and I'm not super good with crowds. So that was a little tough. I went to outside lands recently. Um, that was the sound was very good at outside lands. Um, very, very good, but definitely the bottlenecks of, of trying to go from stage to stage, like, you would just give up. You'd be like, well, I guess I missed that show because it's going to take me 30 minutes to mm. get across the whole thing. Right. Um, so that was, I think, the only thing that I was really kind of like, eh, Coachella has that beat too. You know, big open fields. You don't really have to deal with that, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, but not as many artists. There's just Coachella, there's a million artists, it feels like, and every single other festival you know you're you're paying a similar amount of money for half the amount of artists yeah it's interesting that they can they can pull off those prices and right? have that but i you know maybe a big part of it is how dependable it is that they're going to sell out and and make money on concessions and things like that Mm -hmm. um, and location, right? Like, right. you know, if you're throwing a festival in the middle of San Francisco or the middle of Chicago, yeah, right. I, I do assume that's probably more expensive. Yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it, too. Lollapalooza is in heart of Chicago. That's, while cool, it's something my girlfriend and I are considering, too, 
maybe going this summer, but it, you know, it's difficult. Um, and it's very, man, very expensive. It's uh, a younger festival too, because mm-hmm. think about it, you know, anyone can Uber in or can get dropped off at that festival versus something like Coachella, where it takes a lot more financial resources to drive out there, camp, you know, prep all that, um, you know, be gone for four days. So that, that crowd is a little bit older, um, Mm -hmm. you know, than something like Lollapalooza, especially ones where you can go one day, you know, you don't have to do all three. Yeah. Uh, you're you're right about that. I will say that Lollapalooza lineup is pretty strong this year. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's pretty it's pretty top heavy. What really attracted it attracted me to it was the fact that it was so top heavy. Let me just uh, pull up the the here's the here's the main headliners: Metallica, Dua Lipa, J Cole, and Green Day. Doja Cat. Damn. Yeah, it's pretty pretty strong. Uh, not as many artists like you said, but I mean, for me, the the top three is enough uh as far as like being interested and there, i mean and price still, wise yeah price wise too there's actually a couple of coachella artists in here too um but oh, uh, charlie xcx let's mm-hmm. see M- machine gun kelly <laughs> no thanks uh <laughs> <laughs> and are you sure i would have assumed that was your favorite <laughs> oh yeah i love his punk rock album uh, but you know, it's funny about this one is the uh, the EDM artist far better than any of the Coachella ones. You have Cascade, Rez, and Zoo right together, uh, and I yeah. actually like all three of those. Those are kind of like towards the top of my list as far as EDM artists I like. Um, I missed Zoo uh, at at Outside Lands, but I heard his show was amazing. He was built against someone else. I forget who at the moment, but yeah, looking at this lineup, I, this is pretty strong you got remy wolf you have uh let's see here who else did i just see that i want oh king princess oh yeah uh, dominic yep. fike you know there's yeah yeah there is there's some strong some strong ones on there um even if you look really really low on the list um there's a there's a couple of gems in there some some odd ones. There's like uh, if you look towards the bottom, Lorana Shore. I played with them when I was in a band. They're just like wow. just straight death metal, like oh. just super, <laughs> just like and just like like it's good music if you like that stuff. But uh, it's odd to see that on there. I was like, oh, that's cool. With Dua Lipa on the bill, it's that's like, so funny. <laughs> yeah, it'd be really funny to see those uh, hardcore guys just be like, thanks everyone for coming out. We got Dua Lipa coming up next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Josh just ran away from me. He's just like, what the fuck? Uh, you know, that does make me think, though. I feel like, in general, Coachella lineups are pretty... Yeah. Not not like they're cohesive as in they're all the same music or anything, but I feel right. like it, it, it makes sense why artists are there. And sometimes yeah. with these other ones, it kind of feels like maybe they're filling out the, the early time slots, you know? Like... Yeah, there's definitely like a, a vibe to Coachella. Like, so for example, I'll give you an example. Friday, you have this band called Code Orange playing. Not your music, Miranda, but I will tell you, if you just were like passing by, you'd be like, I don't know what's going on over there, but it looks very entertaining. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And there's like a certain vibe with them that kind of, it would make sense why they're here. But I mean, musically, yeah. they're really far out, like they're very loud, very aggressive. But um, if you kind of just looked into their whole profile, you, you would, I, I think you would be like, I could see that. 
Uh, but, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. Like Coachella does have a lot of different kinds of music, but I would say one, it's a lot of quality. It's usually yeah. not a lot of duds. Uh, and then B, they all kind of like make sense. And I feel like there's not too many of one thing. Uh, a couple mm-hmm. years, a couple years ago, I feel like it was a lot of, it was too much EDM. Uh, but it, it's kind of changed gears to these, I almost want to say like target brand headliners <laughs> in the last couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's exactly what I'm feeling about the headliners. I, again, it just goes back. It just feels safe. It just feels like yeah. rage against the machine for example, is not something that I, I pop on every single day, but I would be amazingly stoked to go see them. Right. And I think that's kind of what I like about, you know, that kind of headliner is, or for example, Weezer, you know, a couple of years ago, they weren't a headliner, but I went and watched a show. Do I listen to them all the time? No, absolutely not. Was it an amazing show that I had the best time ever at? Yeah. Yes. Because they're incredible art, you know, they're great at performing. They've been performing forever together. So that's the kind of stuff I think, yeah, I'd rather have that than like a, a Billie Eilish that is sure, like really hot right now, but really like performance wise, what does she bring to the table, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do oh we... man, people are going to be so mad at me for saying that though. <laughs> no, but I, I, I think maybe a younger demo might be, but... I think for them, it might not be true, but I think for everyone else, it is. Yeah. Um, but do me a favor. Come back on after you've uh, you've gone to Coachella yes. and give me your give me your review, your report. You know, like how was your how was your crew? You know, what are you, you know, send me pictures of your of your schedule, where you went, you know, who upstaged who, you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I want to know how it went and. Uh, maybe even just, yeah, your whole experience, you know, was it easy to sneak in booze, uh, what you have to eat, all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely be happy to report back. I'm really, you know, the one thing more than anything, the, the last year that I went, we got robbed of special guests. Like all of the special oh. guests went weekend one and none went weekend two. So I am really kind of on fire to, to see what happens <laughs> this year because that is so not fair. I'm still bitter about it. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Let me know. Come back on and, and let us know how it went. Well, thanks for having me. Happy to come back as, as many times as you'll have me. <laughs> thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I'll uh, talk to you soon. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to you soon. I, uh, I wanted to mostly bring you on because uh, one, uh, you... So background on how you and I met just for this uh, recording. Um, do you still go on the vinyl app, by the way? No, but I hope this isn't bad because I've earned myself a unique reputation on that app. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean? I have done things that are definitely against their terms of service, service <laughs> many, 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 many times. There were some weird people on there. Uh, I forget. I it's been so long since I've been on there now. But there was this one, this one lady. I think she was probably like your age, but like she would get really defensive if you like got at her rappers that she liked or whatever. But like I remember you and I think another guy. I forget who it was. It might have been um, what's his name, the British dude. Anyway, 
you guys would just troll her and she gets so riled up and I just <laughs> be, I just be standing in the back just like I'm not trying to get fired here but this is hilarious <laughs> um but anyway um I wanted to bring you on because we'd met on that vinyl app and then also on the uh the IG chat and I always yeah. liked that you you know beginning at the vinyl app you'd be pretty detailed with like your opinion which was always very strong but confident which I like and you would you know have your arguments and they were pretty you know on point um you don't always agree with everybody which I like yeah you know and that's no that's great because I think it's pretty I mean I do it all the time it's pretty easy to fall into that like if you love an artist like the one we're going to talk about it's pretty easy to love everything that they do you see this a lot with Radiohead, but then when you kind of go back, there's some pretty, oh. there's some pretty dog shit albums there, right? But there's yeah. obviously obviously there is a reason why they're pretty popular. There's some good ones too, um, right? But Mashuga especially, I really wanted to talk to you about because uh, I've really I think Immutable is as good as anything they've done since Obzin, and I know you're not a big Obzin guy, Braden, but no, I. I think it is as good as i re-listen obs and i think it is as good as opposite if not better really yeah so okay so that's cool because the last two i i like i like the last two but they're not as good as the older albums in my no. opinion but immutable is as good as anything they've done um why is that do you think it's like okay so the reason i didn't like coloss or the violent sleeper reason is that the sound was slower and it didn't have as much bite. Mm -hmm. They were kind of just doing the same thing, which is kind of an unfair argument to use against Mashuga because it's not like they've changed all that much. Yeah. But with this slower sound, it really didn't fit them. But in this one, we've got the return of synthesizers. It really feels like if Coloss and um, Destroy, uh, Destroy Erase Improve mm -hmm. had a baby. Oh, okay. Because it, it feels progressive as hell. Mm -hmm. Like, um, Broken Cog, the starter track, which is a phenomenal track. Yeah. Like, it's one of my favorite openers. And it's got all this atmosphere and synths and prog nonsense that you really haven't heard since Destroy, Erase, Improve or um, uh, Catch 33. Yeah, I, I agree. There's definitely a little bit more of that programming background. Uh, I read the Coloss and the record after, which is escaping me, the name of it right now. Uh, let me find it. Let's see here. Uh, Coloss had Dini on it, though, which was really good. Yeah. Oh, the, the Violent Sleep of Reason. So Coloss and the Violent Sleep of Reason, they actually went back to recording in studios again after they hadn't for a long time. They kind of did what a lot of people do now, which is just kind of sharing files over computers or uh, going into different studios and just kind of putting it together. But they've started going back to... I guess a little bit more of that old school style of recording, but this record does feel like a lot of what you said, like in the past, a little bit more refined. You have a lot of different yeah. atmospheric sounds, um, even like a track uh, that I really love. Um, uh, it's uh, Kaleidoscope towards the end or the middle. Wow. It has this like nice, like um, jazzy, just like overlaying solo where obviously the guitarist knows exactly what he's doing, but if you're just listening right. listening casually, it just sounds like some saxophone or something like that because it's just crazy and completely just all over the place, just flying over this great, like, chugging rhythm. It's 
extremely heavy. Um, I think the other thing, too, I'm not sure if you agree with this, but I feel like this record kind of gets a lot back to different parts of their discography where it feels like it's more for the live performance versus just giving you something that's like very um, almost like a book versus just entertainment. <laughs> like, yeah. like a lot of these songs, I could see myself at shows like moshing or just getting mixing it up versus just standing yeah. there and listening. Um, now my favorite track is God, he sees in mirrors. That song is so powerful and it starts mm-hmm. that cool, like type of like acoustic interlude and it just gets so heavy, so quick. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised. It reminded me of what bleed was for Obzin. Like all of these pretty good tracks and then bleed. It's like, whoa, yeah, this is crazy. It does step up right there. And that, that nice, there's that really cool couple of tracks there where it's God, he sees in mirrors through black cathedral. That section of the album is really, really fucking cool. <laughs> like, and there's Black two, and it's two, and it's two instrumentals too in there. Yeah. Dude, Black Cathedral, it, I, it sounds like black metal. Like, oh, it, it is. It doesn't sound too good at all. Like, I'm like, what? I was listening to it with my girlfriend who, yeah, of course she had a great time listening to Meshuga. And I heard Black Cathedral and I had to replay it. I was like, what just happened? Did they really just make a black metal track? This is insane. In a vacuum, you wouldn't think it's them. Like if I just, you know, you played it yeah. for somebody and you're like, oh, who is this? Like, I don't know, Dark Throne or, you know, somebody like that. Right. Not Meshuggah. Right. Yeah. And I, I haven't heard many other people talk about Cathedral, but I thought it was awesome because that may open a door in the future of them doing all kinds of crazy stuff. That That's definitely one of the most unique songs they've put out. I love that. Uh, won a couple tracks before they move below. It's a nine minute instrumental. That one's great too. It oh, kind of yeah. does the same thing you were talking about on Gotti Sees and Mirrors, where it's that really kind of slow beginning and then it just kind of kicks up and and kind of takes you to a different place. Uh, but yeah, th- those four tracks is, I think it's phenomenal in that record. Uh, Kaleidoscope too has got incredible grooves really kicks up the notch, especially in the middle, like we talked about earlier with that flying jazz solo. So Black Cog, or sorry, Broken Cog, you mentioned you really liked that one. Uh, I I would have guessed you probably wouldn't have liked it just because it's so repetitive and whatnot, but it, that's kind of who they are anyway. They make a lot of repetitive rhythms, but that shit hits hard. What is it about that track that you, that you really like? So, like the reason I said I don't like Colossus, well, I do like Colossus and Bonsoir Reason, but I don't think they're great. It's because of that kind of slow, subdued type repetition. To me, Broken Cog is the like perfect variant of those tracks. I think they finally perfected that subdued sound, and mm-hmm. Broken Cog is that. And when they do it, they do it. It is hard. Yeah. And it's calling back to old Mashuga, but it's also new Mashuga, and it's just awesome. It's, so I can't really. Yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a strong opener. Uh, it's yeah. Let me ask you about the track afterwards because that one I think kind of goes more to what you call slow, unlike Coloss and Violent Sleep's Reason. The Abysmal Eye. What do you think of that track? I remember hearing it as a single, and I wasn't very impressed. It kind of, mm. I don't know. It like as 
hearing it right after Broken Cog, it kind of just feels like it starts and then it finishes. It didn't wow me. It felt like Mashuga doing their Mashuga thing. Yeah. So I don't really have much to say about that track. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Favorite singles. Yeah. Or that, or like the shortening fuse, which is pretty explosive. Yeah. So I I agree with you. Um, I think as a single, I didn't I didn't like love it. You know, following Broken yeah. Cog, it, it makes a lot of sense actually, just in the flow of the album. I really like it as the second track. It works out better. Um, the video. Have you seen the video for the Abysmal Eye? No, but I have seen it on their story, and it seems pretty crazy. Oh yeah, it's it's nuts. You should definitely check that out. Are there like people flying around? Like yeah, (laughs) yes, it's pretty wild. the The music video for Broken Cog is just kind of like the album cover, uh, and that character just kind of like moving and stuff. It's it's pretty boring, but uh, yeah, the Abysmal Eye video is pretty cool. Uh, Following that though. I do really love the light and the shortened fuse. That's got yeah, some that's incredible groove. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that's definitely one of those songs I think they could throw in a set list every show that they do and it would work out. Like people would go crazy yeah. and um have you actually ever seen them live? I haven't seen any artists live. Ever. No. No, ever. Okay. Definitely I don't know if they're coming to Alabama, but they're doing a tour. I might go. It's later in the summer, I think, here in Texas. But I would definitely recommend seeing them. One, they don't really do a lot of thrills. Like, they don't really move much on stage. But over the years, they've really developed their show. So they use a lot of, like, lights, things like that. Um, Live, they've also really improved over the years. You can tell, like, I think it was a couple years ago, I saw them in Sacramento and you could tell they were using this thing called Axe Effects. It's, uh, it's basically a device that a lot of metal guitarists use now. It makes sure it's basically like a synthesizer you plug your guitar into, and it makes the sound basically perfect. Um, but for years, they you know used amps and things like that. Clearly, they started using that, so their live music sounds as good as their studio stuff. It's pretty, yeah. pretty incredible. Um, definitely, if you could see them, I would definitely do it. Um, it would be such an awesome show. There's so many songs by Mashu Guys Love. I wonder if they play like I Live, like a 20 minute song. Uh, they, I know that they have done that in the past. Um, let's see here. Now that you're saying that, I'm going to look something up. I wonder up. how they even like remember that song. Like, <laughs> I guess, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it does a lot. Well, from experience, I can tell you what a lot of artists will do is they definitely don't remember how to play these damn songs. (laughs) What they do is before they go on tour, they pick a lot of the songs they're going to do and then start practicing. Yeah. A a lot of times they have to like relearn the whole song because it might have been years, you know, since they actually got to play that song again. Um, So there's that. I'm actually trying to find out. Have you ever used the website uh, Setlist FM? No, but I actually have seen people talk about that a lot, about like archived concerts and stuff. So it's a really cool tool. I use it just to like remember what songs I saw, like, you know, at some show or whatever. Um, it's a good way to um, look back at what they've played. I'm actually trying to find a way to see if they've played I before. 
because that's the song I know you really like. Uh, let me see here. And um, while you're doing that, I want to bring up, yeah. there's some people who just hate the Violent Sleeper Reason and Colossus, but I don't really understand. Like, how are you going to like their earlier? If you like one album by Mashuga that isn't Destroy, uh, I mean, that isn't um, Contradictions Collapse mm-hmm. or their self-titled, you'll probably like all of Mashuga. Their sound really doesn't deviate that much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I think if anything, they've gotten more and more adventurous over, you know, from album one till now. Like they've always pushed, you know, how heavy they can get or how wild they can get. Um, but relatively kind of in the same pocket, like you're saying, right? I, that's weird yeah. that you say that because I, maybe it's maybe it's our age difference in just different crowds. But I know for me, when Coloss came out, because it had been four years since Obzin, I mean, people were shitting their pants. Um, I remember how excited people were. And then, like, Coloss is not my favorite of their albums, but they have songs in there like The Demon's Name is Surveillance, which is just as crazy right. as Bleed, in my opinion. Um, and then you have some incredibly groovy songs like Do Not Look Down or Demiurge. Those are awesome, like, just grooving tracks. Um I got to see them for the first time after Colossus. It was for when The Violent Sleep of Reason came out. And those songs, I think, are a little bit harder in that, like, I guess the digest. Like, to me, it kind of feels like, you know, eating your vegetables almost, like, in metal terms. <laughs> Just because yeah. it's a lot slower. There's a lot more going on musically. It's very... I would say technical and not boring, but just very like craftsmanship versus something like Obzin, which I think has kind of a beautiful or a, a beautiful, perfect meld of both where you have this progressive stuff with, you know, very technical playing, like very precise playing, but with great groove and just fucking awesome stuff to bang your head to. Um, the Violent Sleeper Reason is more I, I guess like you know vegetables i would say but there's some fucking great you know grooves and breakdowns on that thing i i don't know how you can dislike any of it i just think it's a little different but yeah kind of turning it back to where we started i think immutable kind of kind of feeds everybody in a way in a way it might yes. it, it might feed the more casual person because there's just more you know stunning grooves in there one thing I also find strange is that, like, I know a lot of people who are into Mashuga and who can get into Mashuga, but they're pretty heavy. Like, if you haven't listened to metal at all, they would almost sound like death metal. It's just yeah. weird how many fans they have when they're not accessible, like, at all. Like, well, their songs blow my mind. I think, you know, it's funny because I kind of wanted to gauge you on this. You know, last decade, so. 2000 to 2010 they were relatively still very underground very unknown like i found out about them because of other bands not because i was there when their best stuff was coming out right it's only really this past decade into now like they have this like i think they're revered and respected now because of the influence that they've had on metal and like to me and I don't know how you feel about it, but to me, they've been probably the most influential band in the past 20 years 
because I see a lot of people picking up eight string guitars and wanting to play right. really low tunes or low tones. Like, yeah, in the nineties you had new metal and people were detuning and starting to use seven strings, but th it was, it was not as musical or as challenging or progressive yeah. as Meshuggah. Uh, yeah. It was nowhere near it, but Meshuggah was doing that stuff in the nineties too, but nobody was yeah. really paying attention yet. No one really started paying attention probably till like 2010-ish when you had this gent thing where all these bands basically all claim, you know, that they were influenced by Meshuggah. Um, and I think almost every band now, whether they know it or not, that's how influential Meshuggah's become. Influenced by right, yeah, whether they even know it or not. I mean, I know for me when I was in a band... I wanted us like, yo, we should we should use some eight-string guitars. Like, I want to copy those rhythms. Like, why not? Yeah. Look at how people react to them. Um, and I just I think now people have taken it and ran with it and taking it in all sorts of great styles. Uh, but I don't think, you know, I think it's hard to explain how impactful they've been. Kind of like Pantera too, you know. I think right. people know how influential Pantera is. Um but it just took a long time for people to grasp Meshuggah, I think. But now, you're right. They are, you know, it's weird. I see people that don't like metal or are not interested right. in metal, you know, like Meshuggah or at least respect it. But I think it has a lot to do with that influence that they've had. And, like, genting guitars is like a meme now. Like, I see people on TikTok yeah. with just, like, just destroying their guitar, making, like, the deepest gent tone ever. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Or the Doom 2016 game was a gent soundtrack. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. But I, I, that all came from Meshuggah um, and their approach. Even though I, you know, it's funny. You look at some of these gent bands; they don't sound very similar to Meshuggah at all, as far as like how they put together like song structures or how they want to play guitar. It's mostly in tone that they're very influenced by Meshuggah. Uh, I think the drumming more so comes across, I think, in a lot of these bands more than even just how they play guitar or, like, song structures. The drumming comes across just simply because if you really... If you know what is doing, a lot of it's really driven on the drums. Everything's on the downbeat. Um, they claim it's in 4-4. I know a lot of people argue, you know, it's different time signatures. Well, Bleed is like a 5-4 progression into a 3-4. Like, it, it starts in 5-4 and ends in 3-4, mm -hmm. which averages out 4-4. Four, four. So, right. like, there's a bunch. The arg yeah, I mean, to me, my argument is everything's in 4-4. Four, four. Like, yeah, they might, like, yes, you could, you, exactly what you said. They start at one time signature, maybe end in another. But when you. But that's 4-4. Four, four. Right. <laughs> when you weigh it all out. It's 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. When you weigh it all out, it's, it's all still 4-4, four, four, which is funny for you know, one of the leaders in progressive music that they play the most quote unquote simple time signature. I mean, like a lot of the leading metal bands right now, periphery yeah. animal leaders to name a few, mm -hmm. they are pretty popular. And a lot of people don't even know of Mashuga, right. but those bands are directly influenced by Mashuga, like directly. Yeah. I kind of feel like those two are like, Mashuga is kind of like the original vehicle, right? Like, the original right. Ford, let's say. And I feel like Animals as Leaders and Periphery, they took that and they 
created the Corvette or the Mustang or the Ferrari. And they're like yeah. the Ferrari version of that. And like they're really slick. And their influence, I think, taking Meshuggah further and their influences, the whole technology behind the music, like better right, software. Yeah, especially them, like, you know, creating your own guitar line, software. Um, act, I mean, I brought up Axe Effects before this great yeah. tool. But, I mean, that's one of the biggest ones, too. And Meshuggah wasn't even using Axe Effects. That was some of these other bands that they influenced. But, you know, it's come full circle where it's clear that Meshuggah is using these tools, too. Um, so I, I think the coolest thing the coolest thing about being a Meshuggah fan and, and a Gent fan myself is kind of seeing what they leave behind in that Meshuggah obviously has given people a sound to use. But these other bands have been able to create technology, software, tool like new tools that you can use. And it kind of, in a different way, it's almost like punk because I've seen more people pick up a guitar in probably the last 12 years than I saw in the previous 12 years of being alive. Like I've just seen so many people come along. Maybe it's also social media so I can see more yeah, people. Yeah, like mm -hmm. YouTube and people can learn anything these days they can they can learn anything Fair. true but i do see an abundance of people picking up these instruments and these sounds and trying to make their own you know their own thing or share you know themselves playing with the world so i mean that's the coolest thing about Meshuggah. and this record really just reflects i think the best of what they do i think it's awesome that they're somehow like releasing records of quality because i like coloss and the violent sleep of reason less than their other stuff but i don't think they're bad i don't think they're no. bad at all and it's just weird that they haven't really lost that momentum in fact like like we said they're gaining momentum almost yeah they have all these underlings and they're getting so much more popular than they were a decade ago yeah and it's just crazy to think of how far they come and how they keep just pushing forwards I, I think you're right. I think they're making their, their best stuff right now. And uh, the only thing that concerns me, I'm not sure if you saw this, the drummer had has an issue with what's called eczema on his hands. So it's like yeah. kind of like he gets sores on your hands, so he's had trouble playing. So hopefully that doesn't, you know, slow the roll, so to speak. But, I mean, you know, I mean, arguably, I, I'm, not sh I'm not sure – kind of like what your opinion on this is, but to me, Meshuggah's drummer is probably the best drummer, at least in metal, alive because of his ability and because the, the music is so focused on what he actually does. Uh, right. You know, in, in a genre that's very guitar-driven, their band is driven on him. And, I mean, his obviously his skill is, you know, as good as anybody we've had. Um, I can't think of too many other people, you know, if it was like fantasy music, I would build my band around it, you know, be that guy. Well, I mean, like the reason the drummer is so important because Jin is weird. The guitar is almost like the rhythm guitar in a sense. Mm -hmm. And the drums, they are either following the guitar, they're doing their own crazy thing. And like a Jin song is almost just complete rhythm. Yeah. Which just that's how what it feels like to me. And yeah. The drums are part of that rhythm section, and they play an equally pivotal role, although Jen is defined by the guitar. And um, yeah. how do you feel about Architects? Because they're another metalcore gent band that's really popular right now. 
I like Architects. I saw that they're coming out with the new record. I think early on, to me, they just, early on, at least the original version of that band, they felt like a really bad periphery demo that just didn't become a studio song is what they felt like to me. But over the years, I've seen them get progressively better and like really start to pick it up. I think the last one they put out was that Leviathan. I think that was the record. I don't remember. And then there's bands like Frontier as well, who are metalcore and gent. Oh, sorry. It's not called Leviathan. It was called, let's see, Feroz, Fenoses. I don't know. It had that song AWOL on there. That's pretty good. Um, but yeah, they've they've gotten much better. Their new album is called In Stasis. I haven't heard the single yet. I'm sure that they have out for it, but they're def- they're definitely a band that's been getting better. Um, what was that other band you asked me about? Uh, Frontier, another metalcore and gent combo. Frontier. Let's see. Except they also combined it with grindcore, which was pretty overwhelming. And glitch. Oh yeah. Okay. They um I haven't heard them, but I know what they relatively sound like. There's another band I like called uh uh Sectioned. You might like oh, them. Oh, that's as well. the one. That's the grindcore and yeah. gent one that is just mine. It's so heavy. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Sectioned is wild. Uh to me that's like uh pushing it in like the it's like Meshuggah and Dillinger's Escape Plan were tangentially around, you know, at the same time. Right. Were contemporaries in progressive music. But, those, but you know, Sectioned sounds like those two put in the one. There's another band you might like, too, called Carbomb. They're very wild. They kind of remind me of uh, the Tony Tap Dance extravaganza, if you ever heard of that. Because that's, that's three-fourths of Sectioned in a different band. Oh, so it's okay. Section. Oh, that's cool. I actually weird because you've you found frontier through section and i found section through frontier i think i had uh i think you're right yeah i think i'd listen to maybe like one or two of their songs i just thought the shit was wild um but there's so much fucking music i can't keep up speaking of animals as leaders you like that new record right i have only wait they released a new record i've only heard the singles yeah yeah animals as leaders has a new one it was it was pretty good i liked it what's interesting about this one Braden, is this new animals as leaders album they actually used like amps, like actual guitar amps versus using Axe Effects or just kind of plugging straight in to uh, like software and computers and things like this. They actually like engineered using using guitar amps. So it's kind of makes it even more impressive because you can't really cheat as much, right? You're just recording what right. comes out of the amp. So it sounds really, really good. They still do all the Animals as Leader stuff. But what I like about this one versus maybe their past work is you can tell there's that kind of like, I don't want to call it the limitation, but, you know, you, you can't just you can't just fix stuff or you fix tone. Like, you got to work with what you have. So I feel like they get the best out of those things on this album. Right. Um, and what's what's really cool is all the singles are good, yeah, but all the songs that weren't singles I think are better than the singles which makes the album really really fun um definitely check that out well why don't we wrap up on this man what have you been listening to lately besides this new mishuga what have i been uh, i found an emo 
I found a blackened screamo outfit today that I've been listening to. And it was interesting. They, what were they called? The White Carriage or something. Hold on. But it is a black metal group that has emo segments. And it, it, I thought it was going to be bad, but it was actually pretty good. I was, yeah, the Phantom Carriage. The Phantom Carriage, okay. Yep. And it had, it, it'll like, it's not very melodic, even though it has one really melodic song. It has some jazz influences. Hmm. It's like, okay, I'm kind of lying when I'm saying they're black metal. They broadcast themselves as black metal. In reality, they sound a lot like mathcore mm. and uh, emo and screamo is what they sound like. Huh. They okay. have like, like um, I found them like on a list somewhere and I'm like, okay, that sounds interesting. I listened to them like, okay, this is pretty good. Um, is one of their yeah. albums called the seven year epilogue? Yes. That's okay. their most recent one. Okay. Their first one, the only one I've listened to. Uh, okay. Got it. I'm going to check this out. Yeah. They're, they're decent. It's not anything great. It's very heavy, mm-hmm. but it's cool to hear some like emo hooks in the mm-hmm. middle of like the math core frenzy. Emo core was hardcore punk and well, Emo core was hardcore punk with some emotional stuff, and it was preceded emo. And metalcore is, you know, a subgenre of uh, emo core. So it kind of makes sense that eventually emo core would somehow find its way in metalcore and just be heavier. What's funny is 10 years ago, like there was such a resistance for those two to come together. Like you won't, you wouldn't believe. Like these, these artists. People, fans of those different kinds of music would not want to have anything with those sounds to do with each other, which is what's crazy. But you're right. They go, they actually kind of come from the same place. You know, they're born out of the same kind of music. But, you know, in the past, there was a huge resistance. But now, you, at least I've started to see more heavy bands really start to play with, with, I guess, like post-hardcore or emo music, right? Right. Or, you know, I think... Before that, I would have said, I would have told you probably like the hardcore bands or like the post-hardcore emo bands started playing with heavier sounds. Like, uh, I'll give you a, a good example. Um, Silverstein, which is like a kind of like a classic post-hardcore emo band. Right about 10 years ago, they start like they put out like an EP or a single and it was metalcore. Like they went from like those very high-end guitars to starting to have breakdowns and chugging and like very detuned guitars uh but now we're starting to finally see the heavier bands embracing some of these other you know so i guess we call it softer or uh more just focused on the emotion of lyrics or different playing i i mean that's great that you found that just because to me they've always belonged together but for whatever reason there is that resistance to each other Oh, I, I sometimes can post-hardcore is such a confusing genre because when I yes. hear it, sometimes I hear groove metal, sometimes I hear metalcore, sometimes I'm like, okay, this is alternative metal. Like, uh, have you ever heard Helmet? Mm-hmm. I, I can never decide whether they're post-hardcore or groove metal or alternative metal. They're so confusing. I just never know. Yeah, I think, you know, post-hardcore is a very loaded term because... <laughs> 
you know, you could kind of put Dillinger Escape Plan in there too in post-hardcore because they really were a hardcore band just really going crazy as far oh, as. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but then you have like a band like my favorite band, Thursday, which is I would call probably straight post-hardcore or screamo or emo core where they were clearly influenced by OG hardcore bands and then taking it to a new place, right? Yeah. I think the original intent of post-hardcore was basically, oh, yeah, we like Black Flag and Minor Threat and all these bands, and and now we're going to take it to a different direction. Ironically, you know, Fugazi, I'm not sure how big of how into Fugazi you are, but Fugazi basically is like had a members of original hardcore bands, and then they're like, okay, well, we're still going to play together. We're just going to make different music. And it basically is just that's what post I at least I view post hardcore as what Fugazi sounded like. And they were kind of a little bit of all the things we're talking about. And everybody just took those little bits and ran in further directions with it. It's got a little bit of everything in it for sure. Um and like Deftones being post hardcore. <laughs> that's um, a weird what one. What I have noticed is <laughs> yeah, yeah, it confuses me because the drumming is a big tell in post hardcore. Yeah. Like, it's way different than metal drumming. And when I hear Deftones' first record, I'm like, this is not new metal drumming. Mm-hmm. Like, this almost feels like a classically trained drummer. This doesn't feel like heavy metal. Or um, Helmet, their drumming. It's just, it's just like a weird vibe to post-hardcore drumming. There is. Um, depending on the band, you know, I, I just think, I've, I find, at least to me, post-hardcore bands a lot of the times the drummer is more in service of the song versus in metal. I think a lot of the times the metal drummer is really just trying to push the energy, really trying to push yeah. the pace or really, you know, in extreme metal, especially really try to be as extreme and push the envelope as much as possible, maybe to the detriment of the song sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but then I, then again, I think in metal, sometimes a lot of these bands don't really do it to the service of the song. It's almost like, you know, jacking off on the instrument in a way they're just really yeah yeah exactly they're really just trying to push it as far as they can which is which is great too but i think almost to turn it back to mashuga it does like i think it's great when you can do both like in the service of the song and push the level of everything uh but I, i i think these influences like we're talking about are are serving both in that way you have service to the song and you're pushing the boundaries or you're really pushing yourself as a player. All right. I have one more question. Cause you've listened to way more music than I have and know more about metalcore. the black Dahlia murder. Are they mellow death? Melodic metalcore, metalcore, deathcore, any combination of these. Cause I I'm confused. They feel like they have a metalcore vibe to them, uh, but everywhere I, they're not considered metalcore. I would, I would call them, I mean, they would fall under death metal. I, if I wanted to be more specific, I would call it melodic death metal just because they have melody. So right. traditional deathcore is the point of it is to be devoid of melody in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was to throw that idea away and go completely extreme, right? But then later you have these other bands that come into the game and they kind of, you know, the the thing about that's great about music and genres is when you establish a genre, the next wave of people are supposed to do the opposite of that genre, right? So, right. 
you have other bands that came into death metal later, like a classic example is Demo Borgir. They were clearly very melodic. They were using keyboards, you know. And so to answer your question, like, yeah, definitely Black Dolly Murder, very, very melodic. They have very catchy rhythms and, and leads. Uh, my favorite album of theirs, speaking of them, let me pull it up, Everblack. Love Everblack. And, and that record in particular, what has lots of heavy parts like that are metalcore-ish uh, with lots of like breakdowns and chugging and, and stuff like that and intensity. Yeah. Um, but you also have songs that are clearly very melodic, catchy. Like a great example is a song called Raped in the Hatred by Vines. I mean, it's got this awesome guitar lead that like makes you want to learn how to play it. It's catchy. You can sing along to it, even though it's all screams. But like, you know, for the casual person, they're always going to think something like that is like, I don't know what they're saying. But you know, uh, if you have any, if you have any kind of culture, you know, you've been cultured in, in metal. That's like that's pop music to me. Like that yeah. particular record in Black Dolly Murder. That's like pop metal to me, uh, because I can sing along to it. I get the melody. Uh, it's easy for me to digest, you know, versus yeah. like you just like pop like pop music is kind of like junk food in a way, right? It's it's kind of cheap calories versus you listen to some jazz, you know, that's the vegetables we talked about exactly. earlier. Yeah. yeah, right. But even when you get more cultured into that kind of thing, like there's a there's jazz music that's you know pretty digestible if you've been listening to jazz for a while. I would say that with with Black Dolly Murder in a good way. It's it's music that I think is more open to people who are not into that kind of music. Yeah, I show people the Black Dolly Murder if they're or like Edge of Sanity or somebody who's just like super. Mm -hmm. They're not so in your face. It's like overbearing or between the barrier to me. Yeah, people. Yeah, that's the perfect band to show people getting into metal. They'll just they love it. That's that. See, that's a good band that you you pick there because I have a friend of mine who does not like metal at all he's like indie guy uh alternative rock guy but he loves between the buried and me and that's one of those bands i don't know why people love it i i think you're right i think they're just one of those that like is they're challenging but they're open enough palatable enough for people who are outsiders to come in it's easy to forget that they're like metalcore or death metal whenever they're yeah. having like the popular chorus like you've ever heard in their life yeah and it's just like or like a folk ballad in the middle of a death metal song, like what? Yeah, they. I think the reason why they're so great is because yeah, they're bass, they're this progressive metal thing, but they can play all kinds of music, right? And when you can do that, that means you understand different people's tastes. Um, and they do. So they do. Yeah, they do. Damn, man, we talked a lot longer than I planned, dude. I really appreciate you coming on, Brandon. Dude, it's been fun. Yeah, I love talking about that. Yeah, I would love to do it again if you're ever up for it. But uh, let's do this again, man. Yeah, let's do it, man. That's fun. 